Uh, you have a pick for both of these games? Well, I'm picking the Titans now. I know that much. Okay, I'm picking the Dolphins. And Giants-Packers? Giants. Giants. So you're going two dogs. To, co to cover, not to Oh, win. to cover, okay. Come on. Uh, no, I'm going I'm going both favorites in this one. Both are blowouts. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I was going to start the show off with, I have a confession to make, but Lance did a really good job of confessing it for me there. Look at Lance. I my only mistake, couldn't <laughs> you have cut out the part where I said, no, not, not to win out, right, just to cover. Like, couldn't you just allow people to believe that I was that confident? <laughs> oh. Welcome to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. Nostradamus, Donovan Bennett, well, apparently. Well, it's anti-Nostradamus because... Earlier in the show, were you not bullish? Bullish that Miami was going to win. And I was like, I, I, now I know for sure they're not winning. I know for sure they're not winning. 100%. I said it should be a blowout. They were at home playing the Titans. Blowout. But in my defense, I have been calling the Miami Dolphins fraud since they lost to the Buffalo Bills way back when. You just should not lose to a team like the Titans. Now, Having said all that, what was the key to victory yesterday for the Tennessee Titans? Besides, well, a couple things. Actually, it's twofold. One is another physical defense. Mike Vrabel's defenses are always physical. They, they play you tough. Even in the games that get blown out, they play you tough. So another physical defense does it to the Miami Dolphins. And on the flip side, something we've also talked about with this Miami Dolphins team, their defense isn't very good. These two things are not components to be a Super Bowl contender. Agree or disagree? I agree. I also think the game is different if Tyreek Hill doesn't hurt his ankle. But they weren't moving the ball when he was in the game before he got hurt either. But, but it got a lot worse when he was well, not well, in the game. Well, yeah. And it got better when he got back. I, I love the fact that the toughest person in Tyreek Hill's family is evidently his wife, who texted <laughs> him at halftime and said he needed to get back uh, in the game. Tennessee first road win of the year. Yeah, that's an even worse. Like at this point in the year for the Dolphins to hand Tennessee their first road win? Like, come on. Yeah, that's not the worst part. 403 well, yeah. <laughs> total yards, speaking of the Dolphins' defense for Tennessee, most in a game this season. They are the first team to win when trailing by 14 or more under three minutes since 2017. That was 58 straight teams lost when in that scenario. But Miami and the Titans... Gave us a, a fun one, a, a, a wacky one, a classic one, and one that just throws more chaos into the AFC playoff race. Because it is not out of the realm of possibility. Don't, don't get too excited just yet. But I, look, look, I at, know. look at the Dolphins' remaining schedule. They host the New York Jets. The New York Jets with Zach Wilson, who's been liberated, who's Star. getting the ball out of his hand early <laughs> and, and with a real defense. Then they've got the second-best team in football, the Dallas Cowboys, at the Baltimore Ravens and then finish with the Buffalo Bills who have to win and get in. We, we were talking about, man, Bills could sneak in, get that final wild-card spot if they get hot. 
could the Bills get on a run and could the Dolphins fall apart and the Bills win the division? This year, for me, nothing is off the table. Yeah, and it's it's a, like the the Jets, yes, the the Cowboys, the Ravens, like that Ravens game really could be for the AFC at that point. Well, the let's way just, that everybody let's, else let's is just going. do the exercise. Dolphins, Dallas, who you got? The games. Well, I was going to say the games in Miami, but I what I saw last night, I don't think that changed. I think I Dallas should win that game. They're the better football team. Going to Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore again, a physical defense. Baltimore should win that game. And now with everything. On the line against Buffalo to end the year. I'm excited. You can hear me rubbing my hands together. I'm excited. I'm just saying it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. Listen, this is what the AFC race is right now. The Denver Broncos are one game behind the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> That's so wild. They lost. They gave up 70 points in a game this year. And you're thinking, oh, the man, Dolphins. the Chiefs probably have the tiebreaker. They, they split the season series between the two teams. The Broncos beat the Chiefs in their last meeting. So and I stay want, tuned. I'm going to check this, actually, because I didn't think about the divisional record between the, those two teams because I'm pretty sure that the Broncos have a better divisional record. It, or it, it may be the same, but then in the conference, uh, in the division, oh, Chiefs are 3-1 and one in the division. The Broncos are 2-2. Two two, but the Broncos play a bunch of divisional opponents the rest of the way um here's the other stat that was insane because you gave that stat that it had been what 58 straight games yep that was and that game went to overtime the last team that was down by 14 with three minutes or less okay it was the the record for teams in regulation before that game was zero and 767 wow it is now one and seven hundred and sixty-seven. I, I just I, there's something about this Dolphins team that, and I've been. It was it was never really about the offense because I feel I felt like the offense could find a way. The way Raheem Mostert's running the ball, Devon Achan didn't have a great game yesterday, but Mostert was excellent, and it felt like they could always kind of find a way. But what we're seeing is when they play teams that punch in the mouth. They can't handle it. And their defense is, I, I just look at the defense, and now without Jalen Phillips, who, that's a big loss for their defensive line. And I, I understand he got hurt, you know, last week. But when you lose a player like that, I mean, that's a, a massive loss for their pass rush. And it just puts more pressure on their secondary, which is filled with names, but they're not performing. Like, they did a great job of getting DeAndre Hopkins away from Jalen Ramsey yesterday. And and it was a nice battle between him and Xavier Howard. I just look at it and I say, like, there's names and it's there in recognition based on what they've done in the past, but they're not performing at a high level when they play against good offense. See, I think you were talking about the symptom, but I don't think you were talking about the root cause of the problem. The root cause of the problem for me is their offense. And the question about this offense was, would it travel? Now, wasn't bad weather last night, but is this an offense that works in December and January? This was to his first game without a passing TD since week four, 2022. I think they're tied together, their defense and their offense, because that defense is much better with a lead. It's much better when they can rush the passer and play passing lanes and not really care about stopping the run. Because guess what? We're up 14. We're up 21. 
if you want to run it, go right ahead. Be our guest because you're, you're you are bleeding the clock. And against our team, as quickly as we score, you need to figure out how to way to make this a multiple possession game. Thus, you have to not only score against us, you have to score quickly as well. Their offense, I think, showing some signs of slowing down and some weakness in the last couple of weeks is why I'm concerned for the defense because their defense is on the field often and because they are not necessarily in the same way uh, playing with the same amount of leads they were earlier in the year. And, and we saw that that offense can't close out a game. Yeah. Under th- three minutes, 14-point lead, you, you go into your three-minute offense. I was going to say eight-minute offense. But your three-minute offense and end the game, and that's not how they're built. And Tua takes a bad sack at the end of the game. And, and he fumbled. We also forget, or we don't forget, that Tua fumbled the ball it what the five yard line off a of, off a snap? It was actually probably even closer than that. That should the way Raheem Mostert was running the ball in the red zone. That was guaranteed six points. And so you you look at these mistakes that they've made, and you try and figure out what the antidote is here. And I don't know that there is one. This may just be what they are against better defenses. And again, Tennessee over the course of the season has not been a very good defense, but they are physical. And they got after Tua yesterday. They made him make bad decisions. And I, I was just like, when you people will look at the score line and say, yeah, but they scored, you know, this many points. Well, but Tennessee shot themselves in the foot yesterday. They had they had the the muff punt, which yep. ended up in a touchdown. Then they had the the fumble on the Will Levis pitch to Derrick Henry, which was horrible, by the way. But the difference was was that yesterday, Will Levis made throws, and Tua Tagovailoa did not. I thought Will Levis that may have been even outside of his first start, which was really impressive. That may have been his most impressive game because of doing it on the road, and some of the throws that he made yesterday, as we like to say on this show, those were big boy throws. And the one to DeAndre Hopkins where, I mean, you could argue that there was a little bit of a push-off by DeAndre Hopkins. He dropped it right in the bucket. And that drive that ended up being the game-winning drive, did you look at Will Levis and say, that guy looks like a rookie quarterback who is under pressure right now? Didn't look like, outside of CJ Stroud, I haven't seen a rookie quarterback look that comfortable on a game-winning drive when all the chips are down. I did not. If you were watching the game and had no idea where these players were picked, how long they had played, and you said to someone, oh, there's an MVP candidate in this game, you would have thought it was Will Levitz. However, I will say this. Will Evans was not the best quarterback to play football last night. Taroni Tommy was the best quarterback <laughs> to play football Tommy last Cutlets, night. ladies and gentlemen. He had the buffet going in the parking lot with the family, giving out cutlets to everybody. He had his agent wearing all black with chains in the stands, jumping up and down. After touchdowns, everybody's kissing each other. That, sound, that sounds like Christmas at an Italian household, really. Well, what it does. Well, he was handing out gifts last night. I mean, really, he was actually, he was he was running gifts because he, he really was able to move the sticks with his legs. This is going to be a ridiculous question, but I, <laughs> but I will ask it. Yep. 
if if I gave you the choice today, game on the line. Oh boy, Tommy Cutlets or first overall pick Bryce Young? Oh you are, man, you, you are choosing whom? As currently constructed on their teams, Tommy DeVito. Because Bryce Young has nobody to throw to apparently, and they're running. They're going to run the ball like eighty times a game, going the rest of the way to try and keep him upright. Um, I thought you were going to ask me who would start between him and Daniel Jones next year. That's where I thought you were going with it. Because as dumb as that may have seemed, the, the Giants are still drafting a quarterback. Like the story's great, but they're drafting a quarterback. Are they? Yeah, I think they're drafting a quarterback. He, Tommy DeVito is a great story, and he's performed way above anybody's wildest expectations, including his own, I would surmise. But you look at this draft class, and you look at what might be available to you because a lot of teams at the top end of the draft have their quarterbacks already. I think somebody falls into their lap that they're really happy with. Well, let me ask you a question, though. Sure. What position has haunted this team more than any other since they essentially punished Odell Beckham Jr. by trading him to Cleveland? It's been wide receiver. Yeah. They've brought in many, haven't got the position right. Well, they keep bringing in the same ones, too. That's part of the problem. But they have the chance to bring in a number one. Yep. If you took Marvin Harrison Jr. and just dropped him on the Giants, who knows what's going to happen with Saquon? who is your your best running back, your best receiver. But you get another either big-time offensive playmaker to make up for the lack of face of the franchise and Saquon if you aren't able to get a deal with him or pair them together. Essentially, you have an opportunity to go and get your version of Justin Jefferson. Are you saying no? Because I think that DeVito has shown enough to make you wince and, and squint you, and say... If you blink can, hard can, enough. Yeah, no, but but can you can, can you talk yourself into, well, why can't he be Brock Purdy? What, what if, we, if we build it around him, could he be Brock Purdy for us? Daniel Jones, you could say the same, why can't Daniel Jones be Brock Purdy? Because well, he, he can't we stay know, healthy. Yeah, well, That's he, why. we also know he sucks. Well, that he too, can't throw the football. But he's had, he's had multiple neck injuries. Right? He can't stay on the field. So that's why. I, I just think you have, to, you have to schedule a meeting with your advanced scouts, your pro football personnel, and have the exercise. Maybe you say, no, we're still drafting the quarterback. But I, I just think it's a conversation. And, and the, I think the other piece of the conversation is Depending on how many of them come out, but between between the 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 two that we are we think are going to go one two, in Caleb and Drake May, you know the Heisman Trophy winner and Daniels, uh, Panix Jr. Bo Nix, we could get to the point where five six quarterbacks, depending on what happens at, at, at Michigan, six quarterbacks have a first-round grade, are six teams picking a quarterback in the first round? So you theoretically, in the second round, could, could get a QB you have a first-round grade on, 
and we know that there's these are just lottery picks. You have no idea if the guy who goes 10th, who goes 1st, who goes 31st, who the star is going to be. But you know Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a star. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, I agree. Is it a conversation I, because I, of what, what Captain Cutlets has done? I mean, I mean, okay. You're saying no. I'm. I struggle with it. One because I, they can't, they can't get Marvin Harrison Jr. unless they play. They, they trade up. He's not getting past Arizona at number two. And Arizona not trading to, and you're not trading up to one to draft a wide receiver. See, this is. Now, if I could, I could be sold on them taking, trading down and drafting Malik Neighbors or Keon Coleman. No problem. I can absolutely see that. Malik, if I'm being frank here, um, Malik Neighbors probably should have won the Bolitnikov. Hot take. He was had better numbers than Marvin Harrison Jr. He was as consistent as there was in NCAA football this year. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. But you, you don't think you don't think the first two quarterbacks go one two. No matter what the order ends up being in the standings. Well, the thing is, is Arizona. So as of right now, Chicago has the first pick, which is Carolina's. The second pick is New England. And you know New England's going Drake May. You know that that's happening. Unless Caleb Williams decides, nah, I'm going back to school, which would be stupid. Because um, school's for not for the cool kids. Um, th- this, was, this is Matt Miller from ESPN's top five. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., number four, Jaden Daniels to the New York football giants, and number five, um, Alamiua Fashanu. Not that I don't know who he is. I just don't know how to pronounce his name. Offensive tackle from Penn State. He has 12 of the first 15 picks being offensive players. Tackle, a couple tackles mixed in there. He's got some wide receivers, some quarterbacks. The only thing is, is if you are the Giants, if somebody gets so enamored with pick four because they need a quarterback, they want to draft you. Maybe it's a team like the Seattle Seahawks, for example, because they may fall out, whatever. If you can accumulate another first and then try and maneuver, maybe they take a quarterback late in the first round, or maybe you just say like, Brian Dayball, work your magic. This is what we brought you in here for. We thought it was for Daniel Jones, but maybe it's for somebody else. Like, the the one thing is, is I know that the narrative on fifth-round picks is, well, they're fifth-round picks, and they're not really supposed to play for you. But they're also not nobodies. The... A fifth-round pick still is value. It's not a seventh-round pick or a late sixth-round pick, which are essentially priority undrafted free agents. That's what they are. So they obviously saw something in this guy to make him a priority to draft with the fifth-round pick. So they saw something. We've seen it. There's some tools there. I mean, does he have the strongest arm? No. But he can get you out of sticky situations with his legs. He, He's smart like he's and it was so hard to judge him at the beginning because that Giants offensive line wasn't blocking anybody when he first started so I think this is part of the problem like the evaluation process for a quarterback like this who you had no expectations you did not expect him to play because let's be real he was your third string quarterback Tyrod Taylor was your backup and he got hurt it's the only reason why we're seeing Tommy DeVito in here after Daniel Jones got hurt 
So he's shown enough that he's going to keep Tyrod Taylor on the bench for the time being. He's three and one as a starter. That's the the first Giants quarterback since Danny Cannell to do it. That's a long time ago. So they, 97. Yeah, they obviously see something there that they're going to give him an extended look the rest of this season. Now, here's what I will say. I would not be shocked if they drafted a quarterback with their first round pick. But I could also see them saying, let's go out and get a stud wide receiver. And we play out another year with Tommy DeVito or Daniel Jones, whoever it is, see what that brings. And then if we're bad again, then we'll draft a quarterback. Like, I know that that's not how NFL teams work because of the business of the thing. And you want playoff revenue. But that may just be where the Giants are. Because last year was a mirage. They weren't as good as their record showed. If I'm making the decision and turning in the card, I'm trying to get Marvin Harrison Jr. And you talk about business. When we look at how we invest, what do we do? We research the history of the company. We see how often they have a return on investment. We see how often like companies from similar categories have return on investment. We know that the quarterback is essentially a lottery. It's a crapshoot. We also know that the high-level wide receivers really and truly often deliver. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell. Like, it's really hard when someone has shown that level of track record, the NCAA level, for them not to assimilate as a high-level receiver when they have a grade on them that is that high. They essentially step right in and give you Pro Bowl numbers from day one, all of the evaluation on Marvin Harrison Jr. is he is the highest regarded wide receiving prospect since Randy Moss. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, I know exactly what it feels like to be able to draft Randy Moss only to watch him terrorize your football team the next year and every year thereafter. If I'm the Giants, I, I believe the upside is here. The predictability in terms of what the player is going to be is here. The bloodlines is here. I think DeVito has done enough where we think the quarterback position is not a five-alarm fighter that we need to put out right now. Let's get the known commodity, and then we can either see if DeVito ends up becoming Brock Purdy or Tony Romo or Dak Prescott. And if he doesn't, then we just do this process next year. The other argument that I will make on your behalf, which I shouldn't because you're making very good points on your own, is the effect that one of those receivers has on even an average quarterback. We talk about, like, look at what Kirk Cousins has been able to do with Justin Jefferson. Um, look at, and I, I mean, the, these guys aren't average, but they definitely did not live up to their potential until they got the alpha receiver, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. Like, there's this is a a story that has been told before. Um, okay, Brock Purdy with Brandon Ayuk and, I mean, Debo Samuel, sure. But that's that's where the argument could lie. And, okay, it makes our quarterback's job a lot easier if we have a guy that we know we can throw the ball to 150 times and he's going to catch 100 of them, right? So, the, so there's that impact as well for these younger quarterbacks, you know, and maybe that's what they didn't they didn't do for Daniel Jones. And maybe 
I still I still don't believe that bringing in a guy like Devontae Adams or Mike Evans, well, less so Mike Evans, but Devontae Adams was going to make or break Daniel Jones. I, I still think Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. But I think if you are the New York Giants, whether it's Daniel Jones or Tommy DeVito, I think you have to at least give them that opportunity to see what they can do with a guy like that. The bigger, the biggest question for me is, A, Daniel Jones's health. Is he going to be able to start? And does the team get blinded by the fact that they were stupid and gave him $40 million a season? And that's just the default at quarterback. Because that's the other thing here is you can you can manage a season because if I'm not mistaken, I think Daniel Jones's dead cap is like 11 million after next year. If you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, you can make that work with Daniel Jones still on your roster. You can, but do you want to? If no. you can, if Tommy DeVito if, can not. prove it, well, but you, I'm, but I'm you, saying you like, have no other choice. No, but I'm saying on the rookie deal though. Or they say, you know what? We can add a wide receiver here. We can, we'll wait a year on quarterback. Maybe it's Daniel Jones. Maybe it's Tommy DeVito. And then we can make an assessment after however long a period of time. Like we said, Daniel Jones has not been, he's not been able to stay healthy. And Tommy DeVito in his time has, you know, at least been a little bit more consistent than Daniel Jones, who we've, I've made the point on this show. Daniel Jones had 10 games last year where he threw for or 10 or 11 where he threw for 200 yards or less in a game. That's not an elite quarterback. I don't care. I don't care who your receivers are. That's not a $40 million quarterback. It is not. I think the issue that they're going to face, which is one that you're raising is they may not have a choice because what is the market for Daniel Jones? Again, we have a draft where many teams at the top don't need a quarterback where there's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks we know Kirk Cousins is going to be available. We know that Zach Wilson is going to be available. And quite frankly, you might take Zach Wilson over Daniel Jones because at the very least, Zach Wilson is going to be on the field and, and, and can be throw healthy for over 200 yards. And can throw for over 200 yards. And you can look at him and say he's got the physical tools, but he was in such a mess of a scenario in New York. That's what people said about Sam Darnold. Isn't, so you could convince yourself otherwise. I think the bigger question, and I, I'm throwing this theoretical out there, assuming that the Giants for the next month continue to play at the level that they've played at. For the last month, 3-1 and one as a starter with Daniel DeVito. As you Tommy DeVito. Sorry, Tommy DeVito. Danny, Danny DeVito is fantastic. Yes. I'm mixing up Dan, Danny Jones and uh, Tommy DeVito. 3-1 and one as a starter, but more importantly, this is a Giants team that has won three straight. Don't look now, but are the Giants making a push for well, one them, of those last wild card spots? Well, them, the Bears, like, you know what these playoff races, and this goes for both sides. It's the, I'm not really sure I want it playoff race because you look at all the teams in the AFC, there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams at seven and six in the NFC. The Vikings, they were barely alive in that three, nothing thriller. By the way, the Minnesota Vikings and the Minnesota wild won three, nothing on the same day. That should never happen. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. The Packers six and seven are in the playoffs. Despite that loss yesterday, we didn't even get to them because they looked atrocious yesterday. 
the Rams, six and seven. So that's two. Seahawks, three. Falcons, four. Saints, five. Five teams at six and seven who have a shot. Here's the thing. The Giants and the Bears are five and eight and still have a chance to make the playoffs because it really does look like a losing record or nine and eight is a playoff team in the NFC right now. Woof. The interesting thing is you barely get in and you might see one of three teams in the first round. <laughs> San Francisco, yeah. assuming they don't win the number one overall. Well, they're going to yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, Philly, because Philly has a soft schedule, and they could keep the number Although, one Although, Tommy DeVito wins one game against the, the Eagles. Can you sell me on that one? I can. Um, and, and Dallas, who, if they end up winning the NFC East, which is unlikely, but, you know, they, they lost head-to-head with the Niners, so they would lose that tiebreaker. They would become the number two seed, face the last wild card team i don't even know if it's out of the realm of possibility of any of those teams that we were talking about going into philadelphia and winning the way philly is playing right now they would get beat down by the niners clearly Uh, the dallas cowboys although they have their playoff issues they showed in tampa a year ago and at home they're they've been a juggernaut different team certainly but uh, but if the stars align and philly ends up being that two seed at home <laughs> depending on who gets in, like if the Rams, for example, are in that last spot, that's a pick em football game. That's or pretty darn close to it. Like I, this is, you know, we, we talked about rewarding mediocrity. We talked about it with James Brown last week. If you missed the interview, download the podcast. Cause he's great. Um, we talked about rewarding mediocrity. Donovan, as much as I hate to say this, because I think that awarding mediocrity is, the problem with society, I like it for the NFL because these this has been the best playoff race that we have seen maybe in 20 years. So let's let's tag and clip that and hold it for when the Bills miss the playoffs. Oh, no, I won't even be. I'll be angry, but they did it to themselves. But but here's a real scenario, real, real scenario. The number one seeds in the AFC and the NFC could be the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, Based off of the remaining schedule, that is in play. The and Buffalo Bills could miss the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills could be on a neutral field better than both of those teams by the time the regular season is over in a couple weeks, and they could miss the playoffs, and those two teams could have a bye. Yeah. Like, that's where we are. Yeah. Well, if you're the Bills, you take care of business when you're supposed to. The New England Patriots, the New York Jets, the Denver Broncos. Do your, do your damn job. That's what I say. Well, it's funny, though, because the Eagles didn't really take care of business when they were supposed to. They just somehow found a way to win games throughout. It, this number is wild. This is point differential. The Cowboys oh. are plus 188. Yeah. The Niners are plus 175. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, the Ravens at 10 and 3 are plus 143. Mm-hmm. The Saints at 6 and 7 are plus 24. You know what the Eagles are? They play in a lot of close games. I bet you the Eagles are plus like twenty five. They're plus twenty one. That was close on the year. I, and, and I don't. Might, I'm not even looking at. And it. they might have a one seed. The the Dallas Cowboys have eight fifteen point or more wins. San Fran has seven. The Eagles have zero. Yeah. Well, I we talked about it. The we, Rams have four. Yeah, we talked about it this year. The the Eagles were the most confusing and maybe most unimpressive team that had lost one game by week 11. They were. 
That's the reality of it. They didn't impress. They they played close games against the Commanders. They just got their doors blown off by the Cowboys. And the game that they beat the Cowboys in Philadelphia, they shouldn't have. I think those two games, and Nick Bosa talked about, we put the blueprint out there, and then the the Cowboys expanded it on both sides of the ball, both blueprint defending Jalen Hurts, but also blueprint in the fact that I know the Eagles had the number one pass defense in the league last year, but it's mm. not that. Well, it is the same defense. Well, it, it's it's an aging defense and one that is incumbent upon getting to the passer in order to protect the pass. I think the l- last two weeks have shown the emperor has no clothes. Like now, the blueprint is out there for the rest of the league to see, and the Eagles are a wounded animal in the wild right now. Yeah, they sure are. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back. The Bengals' impressive victory over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, also, the Ravens needing to OT to beat the LA Rams, who are still at six and seven are in this. And uh, Justin Herbert is going to have surgery on his finger. And well, we'll talk about it because there's no way that this guy comes back, right? But it is the Chargers, so we will discuss further when we come back. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We'll be back after this. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the Fan Check Down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. So, talking about it before the break. So, Justin Herbert's going to have surgery on his finger um index finger i think it's a fracture they're probably gonna put a pin in it or something i don't know there's no way he's playing again right like he's done for the rest of the year has to be i mean he loves to play with injuries i feel like his coach loves him to play with injuries too yeah and i also how long is his coach gonna be his coach i'm to be honest surprised his coach is still his coach maybe they're waiting for them to be mathematically eliminated to make the move, but that seems inevitable. I would shut him down, but I would have done a lot of things differently. Than yeah, the that's Chargers. True. How how good does Al Michaels feel about having to call Easton Stick, which is a fantastic name, by the way. Like if if his family is not hockey fans, then that is the biggest coincidence that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, hockey or baseball, one of the two. Yeah. So Easton Stick versus Aiden O'Connell in the Thursday Nighter. Is it going to be Aiden O'Connell? Doesn't it have to be? They're not going to put Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no benefit to putting Jimmy Garoppolo back. The, in. the Raiders just got shut out. I know they did. I mean, it, it, Jimmy Garoppolo is their best quarterback. His issue is staying healthy and the fact that he lost the locker room. Do you put Brian Hoyer in just because it's someone different? I don't know. I just don't know. If- How does Brian Hoyer even have a job still? That's what I want to know. Nice guy? Probably a nice guy. Well, he was a Josh McDaniels guy, too. He was. So that probably explains a lot. Um, It would be business malpractice, organizational malpractice, if Justin Herbert sees the field again this year. I think we can both agree on that. And they just paid him, like, a trillion dollars to be their quarterback of the future here. Like, I'm sorry, but this doesn't make any sense if he sees the field again. So assuming... Herbert doesn't play, which we don't expect that he will. And it's Easton Stick versus 
Aiden O'Connell, you throw the records out when those two go head to head. Who's the favorite? Like, like who's, who's the home, who's the home team? I believe it's the Raiders. Yeah, then not to oh, see. I they just got shut out. I know, but the Chargers stink. They just got they just got ransacked the, the, by the, the 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 Vikings are not the ninety two Cowboys. We also did not mention. Well, I mean, we kind of mentioned in the last block that that was. I you know what? I feel like I had something taken from me. I didn't watch a second of that game. But I feel like I had something taken from me where I could have said, you know what? I witnessed the first tie since 1947. Zero, zero tie since 1947. The Detroit Lions and the New York Giants. That was, I think they had barely invented the forward pass at that point. And it was zero, zero. We almost saw history and they had to kick a field goal to win it. Like Nick that, Mullins had other ideas. Yeah, that's another thing. The Josh Dobbs story is done. He showed he was better in Arizona than he has been in Minnesota. I mean, he was he was better when he didn't know the plays. Yeah, that's a weird Minnesota. that's a weird concept, isn't it? You don't know anything, but here, just go up. Maybe that's just a thing. Like, maybe Josh Dobbs is just smarter than everybody else. I think what we've learned is that so there's some QBs who struggle to make plays outside of structure. Josh Dobbs struggles to make plays in, in structure. structure. He'd be a terrible architect. When he's on the run, when he's improvising, he's pretty dangerous and good. Again, Tennessee, short week, less than a week preparation. Scared the Chiefs a little bit a couple years ago. It was pretty good. But when it's just about operating the offense from the pocket, that's when his physical liabilities start to showcase. I'm telling you, he may just be smarter than everybody else. He looks at this playbook and go. What? This is for dumb people. I don't do this. I can't. This This is like, this is preschool books. What am I doing here? I'm an astronaut, for God's sake. Um, okay, let's talk about the, the Bengals and the, and the Colts. As the, the AFC race continues to be the weirdest thing that I've ever seen in my life, the Bengals now have won two in a row with Jake Browning as the quarterback. He looks like a legit NFL quarterback. If I am not mistaken, if my math is correct, he has 11 incompletions the last two weeks. And it's not as if it's just check down Charlie all the time. He's thrown the ball. He's put some air under it a little bit. And when you look at the numbers, 275, two touchdowns, an interception, another rushing touchdown. I ask you this question, Thonovan, and I cannot believe, although I should be saying I can believe it because of the way the year has gone. If you are a team in the playoffs, do you want to play the Cincinnati Bengals right now? Nope, definitely not. Listen, their defense still leaves a lot to be desired. Quarterback's playing with house money right now. They're starting to run the ball. Joe Mixon has six TDs in the last seven games, which takes a lot of pressure off of Browning, but he's operating the offense at a pretty high level, you turn on the TV, you don't notice that there's a backup under center. There, there are some quarterbacks who, when they enter the building, automatically they give you a chance to win, mm-hmm. no matter what. And there's some quarterbacks who, when they enter the building, automatically you have no shot to win. I think Browning is in that category in, in trending in the positive direction where he, he gives you a shot to win, and he's starting to make 
plays that are determining whether or not you win. He's been really good. And also shout out to Zach Taylor. Because in the very yeah. same way that with Matt LaFleur, we kind of said, well, you had Aaron Rodgers, so let's see what you do with Jordan Love. And it looked a bit messy to start, but he's he started to progress throughout the year. Zach Taylor has not missed a beat with Browning. And and we questioned, I mean, you're just one of those McVay disciples. You went to, you know, his kid's birthday party, and then all of a sudden you get a head coaching job. But he's he's earned it this year. He's got to be in the conversation with McVay, oddly enough, for coach of the year because of what they were able to do with the limited Joe Burrow, what they were able to do when Joe Burrow got healthy, and now that he's done for the year, what they've been able to do with Browning. And so the Bengals are a live dog. If they get in, they're a team I would be afraid to see because unlike a lot of those teams around them in the pack with backup quarterbacks, they haven't called a limited game because they have a backup quarterback. Well, you can look to the other side of the football in that game is the Indianapolis Colts. 14 points. Gardner Minshew made his mistakes. The difference was was that Jake Browning limited his mistakes. And that's the game that you play with Gardner Minshew as well is the guy is a gunslinger. Like he will throw it around and he's going to he plays a little bit of backyard football, which is fine because they do have some pieces that can make that work. But when you look at those two teams, like I would be especially if Jonathan Taylor's not back. I don't know that I'd be super worried about playing the Colts. Their defense has played better than I thought they would have been. And their defense in large part has been a big reason why they've kind of gotten to this point because they've made plays at key times. Not that they've been this all world defense, but they've made plays at key times, especially in the turnover department. But the Colts have the Steelers, which who knows what Steeler team is going to show up and who knows who's going to be playing quarterback. Um, probably Mitch Trubisky at the Falcons who are again, who knows the Raiders, they stink. And then the Texans to finish off the year. Like this was not a game that is the be all end all for the Colts in their playoff chase, but it is a massive hit to their playoff chances based on who they have to play. And when they look in the mirror, I don't think that they know what they are at this point either. No, I think they've built a nice foundation in order to turn the organization over Anthony Richardson a year from now. They have a quarterback who's going to keep you in the game, but also he's going to keep the opponent in the game. And when Gardner Minshew's throwing up those fun balls, sometimes they're not so fun when they come down to the other team, but they always make it interesting, always make it a fun watch. And again, these are two teams for me that are, are tough to read because I could see a scenario where they're both in the postseason and I could see a scenario where they're both out on the outside looking in. But there are definitely, because of the high-level talent of the Colts, well, Pittman as a wide receiver, Taylor if he comes back as a running back, and because of the high-level talent of the Bengals, you know, they got talented receiving group, Irwin starting to come on as a depth player and, and as we mentioned, Mixon running the ball. Now you got the Canadian Brown running the ball and boy, being explosive for him. Boy, did he look good. And he he had 83 receiving yards, I think, too, or 80-plus or receiving yards this past week, turned one of them into a touchdown. He's got some juice, man. The, like, he is 
fast. They're, both Brown boys are fast because his, his brother is a safety for the Eagles, had to get on his horse a couple times uh, and go sideline to sideline against the Dallas Cowboys. So shout out to London, Ontario, who continues to produce high-level football players to gut, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, their debuts in the NFL. Okay, let's focus in on the Rams and the the Ravens here uh, to finish up because that game was supposed to be low scoring. It was supposed to be messy and gross, and it took overtime with the teams tied at 31 to get us to 37-31. Uh, it was a punt return that ended up ending the game. Tylen Wallace, who was the backup, wasn't even supposed to be him. Devin Duvernay's usually the guy that returns puns. I still I still think the Ravens, when it comes down to it, are the best team in the AFC because they can beat you in multiple ways. They can beat you with their defense, although Kyle Hamilton being out is a big one for them. Um, they can beat you with their defense because they're nasty, they're physical. They can beat you through the air, or at least they've shown that they can. Lamar Jackson had a fantastic game, 316 yards, three touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr. is starting to look like a a good receiver again. Not the same guy, but certainly a productive one. Zay Flowers is there. Um, it, it to me, the Ravens are just so interesting because they can. I mean, they can run the ball too. But they have their moments where you look at them and you go, mm, "I'm not sure." And this game was one of those games where I looked at it and went, "Not really sure if they are as good as I thought they were." Well, this could have been another one of those games where they throw away a game late and we wonder why the Ravens can't close out games because they have the two things that you need to be able to do it, the ability to run the ball and the ability to rush the passer. Everyone was talking about officials and certainly the big plays in the Bills-Chiefs game and whether or not this should have been called or that should have been called. Depending on how liberal you want to be, there are potentially three clips on that kick, on that punt return for a TD. There's a couple blocking the backs that I was watching and I was <laughs> shocked like, they weren't called. <laughs> I don't see any flags. I'm waiting for the little graphic to come up on screen with yellow showing there's a flag, but they're celebrating. Everyone's running off the bench. This is going to stand. I'll take it because. So I proudly said yesterday I won a Survivor League because of it. Although I did the thing where it, it's down to six, it's down to four. Do you want to settle? And we decided we'll, we'll settle most of the pot and then leave, you know, won't say any numbers, but leave some to continue to be played for. Sure. And so you, you secure some, some uh, money, you save your chicken, as, as uh, Marshawn Lynch would say, and then you go for the rest so you still have a dog in the fight. And as soon as you win, I'm like, oh, man, why did I settle? I could have had the whole pot. But uh, but I was surprised there were no no flags. But it, the Ravens, John Harbaugh, former special teams coach, will beat you on specials, one of the best kickers in the history of the game, and we saw the return. Uh, their defense is, is really good, and, and their, their offense has shown flashes. To me, they are the most complete team, although flawed, in the AFC. But to me, the Rams, like... That was a a loss, but that felt like a victory. Like, like they showed that they're deserving of a playoff spot if they get one. What it showed me is that I was I was not high enough on this Rams offense coming in because that's a tough matchup for them. 
And when you look at the numbers, like Kyron Williams has four 100-yard games out of his last six. And in one of those other games where he didn't get 100 yards, he had 88. He's been as good as any running back. He's getting a massive workload. But also, we saw kind of the return of Cooper Cup in that game. Eight catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. And some big ones. Matthew Stafford, 23 of 41, 294 yards, three touchdowns. The offense looks good. And that's why if they can get a little bit more out of their defense, I could squint and see a playoff team here for sure. Well, we gave Les Snead some love a couple days ago about how many young guys they're playing on defense. We're starting to see uh, some of the warts with that as they gave up some big plays in the passing game. But yeah, I I like the way the Rams are trending, no doubt. Uh, Davis Allen was another guy, a Clemson pick, four catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. Um, As Daryl Johnson said on on the broadcast, if the Rams come calling for a fifth round pick, you say no, because they have a lot of success in that fifth round. That's going to do it for us on the fan check down here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks to Lance behind the glass, Donovan across the table. Uh, you will be on assignment the next couple of days, so you will not be back, but you'll be back here Friday for our weekend preview. I will be here tomorrow. Adam Rank will also be here tomorrow as well. Thanks for listening. Matt Marchese signing off for the fan check down. We will talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the day. Bye-bye.